From WHYY and Billy Penn, this is your Friday edition of Hittin' Season, a Philadelphia Phillies podcast. My name is Justin Clue. I write for Baseball Prospectus, and with me is Liz Rocher of Yahoo Sports. Hello, Liz. Hello, Justin. What a great week of baseball we've seen. Indeed. The Phillies were scheduled to play three games against the Atlanta Braves this week, the leaders of the NL East. They played two of them, won none of them. And had a lead in one-third of one inning of one of them. (laughs) But before we get to that fun stuff, uh, let's hit on some other actual fun stuff. Philadelphia got six temporary lanes going on the collapsed section of I-95 and naturally sent the five major sports mascots on the back of a fire truck across first to test its durability. Now, this concerned me. Bravery! Is Is this not like having the president and vice president travel together? Is this not a... Concern? I mean, given what <laughs> just happened and why they were doing what they were doing. Like, well, yeah, you, know. you have to assume that this was the official opening and that other people had indeed set foot on the road and driven on it before they put, like, all of the mascots, all five of them, even whatever that thing the uh, Philadelphia Union is, that was there, too. He's a snake, and honestly, I is would it? I would rank him higher than Franklin the dog, frankly. Yeah, I would. I could... <laughs> For many, many reasons. Uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. That's a heck of an assumption, I would say. Uh, but it yeah, is just... a heck of an assumption. Uh, though uh, my assumption right now is that they they won't let they don't want people to fall to their deaths. I think that's fair. That is certainly fair. Yes. Yes, that's what I'm. That that's my uh, thought here. <laughs> I liked uh, Governor Josh Shapiro's quote, we demolished a roadway, we built I-95 in just 12 days. Don't remember Governor Shapiro picking up a shovel, but okay, sure, yeah, we, we did that together. Thank you. Thank you, Governor. Uh, The Phillies are going to London. Did you hear about this? Next year. Yes, I did. The Phillies and Mets, it was announced, will be playing in the London series, which this year it's, who is it, the Cubs and Cardinals, I want to say, are playing over there? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that, that, that's uh, that's coming up this month. But uh, yeah, the Phillies and Mets will be heading to London to take part in the 2024 London series on June 8th and 9th next year. This is exciting. Sure. I mean, <laughs> it's the Mets. And so all I can think of is the horrors that await. I mean... It's more important to me that it is a Mets game and then, oh, yeah, they'll be in London. That's that's wacky. Do, have you watched any of these London series games that they've had over the past couple of years? I, I really haven't. I, I no. they don't. There's no images from them in my head that really stand out. I know it's just it's something they do. It's, you know, the NFL does the same thing, um, though, for baseball. Yeah. Why? Why? Why London? It's not like Great Britain is most famous baseball-wise for having those uniforms that look like they were from Microsoft Word in the World Baseball Classic <laughs> this year. Well, so, and they also have cricket over there. And there's like a, a big cricket competition happening right now. Uh, or at least there was recently or will be. My husband talks about cricket occasionally. Like, that is the bat and ball sport they care about. I was going to say. Know, they're trying to make baseball a 
thing in the UK because there is there is that basis, but also it's the same thing that football's doing. The same thing that the the NBA has been doing for years. You know, it it's how, you know, let's see if we can get the world into our very American sports. It does seem that the space for a stick-waving, long-winded sport has been filled <laughs> in this particular country already. But yes, no, let's, uh, let's get in there. Let's show them what the Mets and Phillies are all about, which is... What? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what anymore. losing? Like, what are we... What yeah. is the deal? I mean, honestly, uh, we'll get into the two games the Phillies played against the Braves here in a minute and the upcoming series they're going to play against the Mets this weekend. Uh, I'm not particularly threatened by the Mets, even after how miserably this these two games against the Braves went. But, uh, yeah, putting them both on the on the big stage is, well, it's it's a choice. But, hey, you know, I, I do appreciate it. It's I like the acknowledgement of the Phillies-Mets rivalry and of, of them going international and whatever. It'll, it'll, it'll be cool. I had a lot of fun watching the Field of Dreams game when that first uh, when they first did that. And this is, you know, it's just one of those things. You put it on the baseball calendar. You, you, you generate reasons why this is special, even though it is just like a regular season game. Uh, and then people watch and tune in. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. It's cool. It's like having your team chosen to be on hard knocks or something. Something. like yeah sure I'll, I'll watch i'll check it <laughs> oh, out. oh god no no when people get chosen to be hard on when a team gets chosen to be on hard knocks it's this is how badly you screwed up last year <laughs> that we want to watch everyone have to come back from this <laughs> yeah hard knocks should really be called and so it has come to this <laughs> colon the atlanta falcons <laughs> <laughs> this i mean it has to be the cardinals this year how depressing Oof. Yeah, that's things are not going well in St. Louis either, but uh, no, really just too bad. Yeah, real shame. And uh, speaking of the NL Central, the other thing I wanted to get into first here was the latest City Connect uniforms being unveiled. This is, of course, I believe they do six teams a year from from it's Nike, right? Nike City Connect jerseys. Uh, they do these special jerseys, if you're not familiar, for uh, for six teams a year. Uh, I forget the reason, like what, how many games they wear them for, but they're supposed to be these really interesting jerseys. And I really like, I just like this idea where they, mm -hmm. they look at the city and the place and the region where the teams are from. And then a team of creatives uh, and, and, you know, producers and developers and what have you come up with uh, a jersey that is obviously an alternate to their regular jersey, but, but embodies traits and characteristics of that city or region that you don't see on uniforms all the time. Or that you don't see on any, like not even baseball anymore, like any sports teams uniforms using imagery and references to, to really just, you know, tell the story of that area. And I really love that. I feel like it's been pulled off very well in a couple of, uh, in a couple of cases. I love the Washington Nationals using the cherry blossoms. Those were great. They should sell those all the time. They are, yeah, they are great. Cherry Blossoms is a great example of what I'm talking about. It's something you immediately associate with D.C. Yeah, it's not like the most magical. It's mostly associated with like lots of tourists descending on the city. But still, it's a reference to the city that doesn't appear on any of their other teams' uniforms or anything. But you know immediately where that team is from just by knowing, oh, it's the Cherry Blossoms. So that, that I think, nailed it. I think the Houston Astros nailed it. I know you weren't as big a fan of those uniforms as me, but I love that they look like astronaut jumpsuits. Mm -hmm. They say they say Space City across the front instead of Houston. I love the coloring. I love the, like, 1970s sci-fi vibe they give off. It is, you know, 
the last team I wanted to have my favorite City Connect uniforms, yeah. but honestly, they, they I think they nailed them. Uh, I even like, you know, the Colorado Rockies have a solid one. It's not that much different from their normal aesthetic. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're white. They have the image of the mountains. Uh, they're using some different colors. You know, those those were cool. Uh, honestly, just trying to remember, are there any others? Are there any that jump out at you as, as particularly memorable? Some of them aren't great. Some of them no, are not. No, some of them are bad. I'm trying to, here, trying to find a list that have a, that has a, some pictures. Cause they're not like the Orioles was a little disappointing. Oh, well, I'm going to, yeah, I want to get to that one. Yeah. My <laughs> husband has a hat and we've looked at the jerseys. We went to the, the block party for the big launch um, I thought Seattle's were a little disappointing, though I think they are kind of authentic. It just says I was disappointed in yeah, Seattle. I thought I had so very high hopes could, for them. Could have done, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's. Um, I don't think they're. I know Boston's is very meaningful, though they are ugly. I respect Boston's and that it's a huge difference from their regular oh, uniform. Yeah. It's, it's it's probably the one that is the biggest departure from the team's original uniforms. Uh, I like that they were like, let's go with it's public transit, right? Like they're they're uh, using the colors and fonts of the public transit system, and that's cool to me. I like that. I like that idea. I can't say the uniforms like you know look great, but I love the idea, uh, and I, I love they went with it. So like that one, that one's not bad to me either. San Diego's was all neon and crazy. Right. I didn't no, that's like right. I loved the. Yeah. Oh, that was a great. I, I thought loved they were great. That. They were mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, they were really daring. All right. Um, I thought the. I don't remember what I thought about the White Sox. Like now looking at it, I think it's kind of metal a little bit. <laughs> it's a little bit metal. It, it's not a big enough departure for me, but yeah, sure. I, but do you associate like metal with chicago oh, no but like the the uniforms look i mean it's it's black with a white pinstripe south side in like kind of gothic um uh gothic font i mean it, metal is not what i think of but it's just it's sort of like the it represents the hardness of the city and how hard it is to be a white Sox fan that type of okay. thing okay i know that's taking a little far but i like it that's that's kind of my problem with the Orioles, which before I dive into here, one that just popped into my head. I honestly even like the Angels. I was because just looking at that. The font, and it, again, it's like white and red, and yeah, you know, it's again, not that different color-wise from their regular uniforms, but the font they went with and, and the design make me think instantly of like a Pacific Coast gas station. And I love I love that. That's <laughs> that. Okay, you guys, you did okay. That was good. good that Lord, was solid. There's some ugly ones. Yes. Now the Dodgers are literally no different. No different. The Cubs are stupid. Wow. Major disappointment with the Giants. It's like the G gradient disappearing into nothing, which is exactly what their team should do forever. The Giants, yeah, that 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 didn't work for me either. That mm-hmm. was, you know, it kind of checked the boxes of being a departure from their usual one, and you know, taking some chances. And you know, honestly, I don't really like or at least make a habit of reading all the reasonings why because to be honest I've done plenty of work in marketing I've done plenty of work with designers I've done I've done a lot of this and I know I'm not saying they did this but I know you can kind of reverse engineer the definition of the thing you wind up with Mm -hmm. to have all this meaning so you know I kind of just stray away from that because you can you I'm not saying they did this but you can just kind of make up whatever reasoning for why it looks the way it looks after the fact and that's what I kind of hate 
about the Orioles one. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, again, I don't even think they did that. I just think it's a dumb idea. The whole point is that it's this bland block letter Baltimore, the word Baltimore going across. Is it just black and white? Yeah, it's black uh, and white. Black and white. And then, you know, on the right on the cuffs of the sleeves, there's all these little bursts of crazy colors. And, and the their whole reason is a map of Baltimore. I mean, that's cool. Why it didn't we cool. see more of that? Why isn't that on the outside? <laughs> exactly. On the hat, it's like a, a stylized cursive B and the underneath the brim, because it's all black, but underneath the brim is the colorful um, is a colorful map. And I'm like, great. No one can see it. No, no one could see it. There's no chance for anyone who is in another city to, you know, talk about, hey, this is the map of Baltimore. It's cool. You should come. Baltimore's a great city. I love living there. So why are they so boring? But instead, what they said was, yeah, it's like how the people who've never been here look at it and think it's this one, think it's just black and white. What? Think it's this one way. Who but if you if you look a little closer, you see that there's all this color and interesting stuff under the first letter. And you're like, you have let the critics design this jersey. This jersey is a defense against ignorant people. Why did you why did you let them do that? They should have run out on that field wearing wearing uh, jerseys with like crabs juggling yes. crabs on them and beehive hairdo wigs instead of hats. Yes. Like they should have gone with John Waters, Andy Warhol looking jerseys. Like they had so many options available to them and instead they went with, "Well, don't don't make fun of us." Baltimore Stop has it. such a great and uh, rich history of uh, and troubling history of race relations and food and entertainment and writers and filmmakers and people who have made their mark on the world and all of the crabs everywhere. Like there's so many different things they could have done to highlight Baltimore. You know, I'm as much as I love the, the Maryland flag, I'm glad they didn't go in that direction. But honestly, I would have rathered a Maryland flag jersey again instead of this because it's so boring. And that was a couple weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. We say I'm, I'm bringing this topic up again because the Pittsburgh Pirates revealed their City Connect jerseys. And, you know, hey, that's that's been a something of a fun team this year. I I, I feel for Pirates fans. I want them to have a successful team. Yes. You know, they locked they locked up Brian Reynolds. You know, they they are something. This year, they are more than nothing. And I, you know, I didn't realize it was their turn to get a City Connect jersey. I started seeing the videos. They started putting out these videos, hyping it up, saying like, oh, they're the city of bridges and tunnels. We're, we're at the, uh, the the connection of all these three rivers that are like the center of the city that are, they bring things to the city. It's the city of industry. And they're talking about all these aspects that you're like, OK, OK, I can see where it's going to come from. And this is really interesting. And someone commented on one of the videos and was like, well, this is a lot of buildup for a jersey that's going to be yellow with PGH across the chest. And I was like, well, that would be really lame. Yeah. What they, like, why would they do that? And then they were revealed. And that's exactly what yep. it was. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, when you said City Connect, I'm like, oh, they must have been, you know, released today or yesterday. I just didn't see them. So I typed in uh, City Connect, MLB City Connect. And the only thing that came up were a bunch of rankings. No one thought they were interesting enough to write about good or bad 
I mean, don't get me wrong. The more yellow, the better, in my oh, opinion. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it is they, that they went full yellow is like, okay, sure. But it is one of their colors already, and the lettering is in black. So it's just their normal colors. And the whole rivers thing that they played up, well, guess what? It's just, like, the the pattern in the microfiber. Yep. Like, you're not going to see it on the field. It's just, you know, the little upside-down yep. Y symbol to show the three yep. rivers, you know, connecting. And... You're not going to see that. That's not a part of the uniform no. you're going to see. Actually, like, it's called an asteroid, a shape associated with the city's steel industry and associated with the Three Rivers logo. Yeah, it's, it's both. It's patterned with the little asteroid symbol and the, the little upside down Y thing. It's like a no, checker. You can't yeah. say this. It says, additionally, the PGH lettering is patterned after the circular grates built into the pillars of the Roberto Clemente Bridge. No, you can't do that. <sighs> That I mean, is at the end of, too subtle. It's too subtle. I'm sorry. It is. It is. It, and at the end of the day, like a, this isn't one of those pointillist things where you know you step back and say, "Oh wow, beautiful," and you go up close, like, "Wow, incredible!" Look at all these tiny dots. Like, no, a city connect jersey should have little details, but it should also hit you over the head with how different it is. So they've been doing this a couple years now, putting out these city connect jerseys mm-hmm. and. I mean, you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I do feel like at this point, they are kind of avoiding well, the major market of Philadelphia. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Yankees don't have one yet either. So, like, there's some, I think there's <laughs> there's a chance there's some uh, reluctance to be like, oh, look, we got to come up with some because these people are going to be just absolutely feral about yeah. these jerseys. It's been and- six a year. And so the last um, you see, there's one more to debut this year, one or maybe just one or two, a few. And um, then like the last six will be next year. Mm-hmm. And that's us. That's our turn. We're going to get Philly's City Connect jerseys. And boy, hope you nail it. <laughs> and even if, even if you do, you know, some people are just going to hate it. Completely. But I'm telling you. You gotta, I, I, they're not going to go down to the level of detail that I want them to, I know. And we're all having nightmares back to the Sixers Boathouse Road jersey debacle that was just messy and bad. <laughs> and, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, let's do something uh, with the, like, Boner Forever mural. You know, that kind of cultural stuff that everyone who lives here will recognize immediately. And, you know, that, that you can have fun with, but they're not going to. They're not going to do that. <laughs> no, like there are a lot of fun things they could do. And you have to hope that they'll go more in the direction of San Diego. You know, that type of thing towards mm-hmm. something fun and interesting. I'm kind of over. I've said this in the past, but I'm over it. The idea of the blue and yellow from the city flag. Like at this point, it's been brought up too much and it's just kind of become cliche. And I feel like that would be an easy place for them to land to like go with that kind of coloring. And then, you know, they're going to bring in like the history of the city and the Constitution and the Liberty Bell. And like they're going to bring all that stuff in is my guess. I don't know. There's a, they could easily just put out a very cool uniform. They really could. They, they, they could, just to be fair. But, yeah, there's uh, mm-hmm. there's I know there's a gallery of critics sharpening their knives already. <laughs> I know we did this maybe last year, maybe further back, but I know the three of us talked about uniforms and building, like, our ideal uniform. I think given some of these City Connect options that have come out, it would be cool for us to sort of Frankenstein our uniform together. Maybe not specifics, but, like, for example, I'd love them to have some kind of 
cool like uh imprinted fabric like they did on the nationals on uh, because mm, yeah. it's got it's uh shadows i think it's some of it's pressed in the fabric it's really great looking and you can do a lot with that as long as it's not tiny tiny little asteroids that make up the pattern of the fabric and also the sheer volume of extremely talented artists that live in philadelphia oh my god there is a there is a resource here to tap into, and uh, you know I, I have a feeling they'll. I think they've all done that, right? I would guess that they're like we talked to local artists or something, or consulted with. It just uh, seems like a, uh, it seems like a natural move. I don't know, but I'm just saying there's the pressures on, and the options are many. So let's hope they let's hope they get it right. <laughs> I feel like the, the Phillies and the uh, the Yankees will be their the last two they release. If I'm if I'm being honest, because those will, I mean, if they're bad, they're going to want to get them out of the way. I guess I mean, we'll the, find out with the schedule, huh? The Mets don't have one, right? My that, God, they'll be one of the last a, six teams. What a year! <laughs> the Braves don't have one, right? They do. They have one. Oh, they do. It's dumb. Oh, okay. I don't like oh. it. It's got the cool I... A that I like, but they're the Braves and I can't oh, like. Oh, right. Yeah, it just kind of looks like the Hank Aaron era Braves, mm-hmm. which, you know, again, cool, but not really a huge departure. But all right. Well, that's enough uniform talk. Let's get to the stuff we don't want to talk out. Have to. Talk about, which is the I've got Phillies more uniform baseball. thoughts. Come on. Let's do it. <laughs> Oh, the Braves series so far. Oh, boy. Like I said, the Phillies had a single lead for, you know, if you if you got up to get a drink and came back, it was gone by the time you were back on the couch. Uh, Yeah, that was thanks to a fifth inning Nick Castellanos single in the first game the (laughs) Phillies played against the Braves Uh, in the top of the sixth with one out Austin Riley homer to tie it. And it was 1-1. And then the Braves rallied in the seventh for two more. They tacked on a Matt Olson home run in the eighth. The Phillies snuck in some garbage time offense. Boy, they love doing that. Oh, yeah. With Cody Clemens's RBI ground out in the ninth and lost that game 4-2. to two. They got a good start out of Ranger Suarez. Oh, who yeah. went six innings, allowed four hits, and one earned run with two walks and seven Ks. They got a bunch of offense out hitting the Braves 11 to 10 in this game with Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto all having two hits on the day. Brandon Marsh had three all by himself, but they never hit after they got on base and their uh, uh, bullpen options. Jeff Hoffman, Andrew Vasquez and Dylan Covey were preyed upon by the Atlanta hitters after Suarez exited the game. Didn't help that Spencer Strider was doing his thing for Atlanta, but again, the Phillies were hitting him. Yeah, they, they were. They were making they were making hard they contact. They had opportunities. And the narrative after the game ended was that he had just erased the Phillies and <laughs> successfully gotten revenge on them for Reese Hoskins NLDS home run last year. Oh, that's but, not how that I mean, works. Sorry. <laughs> if you if you wanna think that, you can, but I'll take an epic the- playoff win <laughs> over a nice regular season day. Anytime. If you think that, I'm sorry, you are sad. You are sad, sadder even than just being a Braves fan alone. Yeah, it's uh, it's really made it into Braves coverage. Like they they repeat every time that like, hey, he was far from 100 percent in that NLDS game. So that really shouldn't even count. It's just part of my. My overall grumbling philosophy that no one knows how to lose anymore. And instead of just being like, yeah, we lost and I'm mad about it. They were like, we have to come up with reasons why this loss doesn't exist. Did we have to just you know, rip the pages out of history and just eat them. You know what Phillies fans didn't do when they lost the World Series? 
the most that I saw, most of us were angry about the loss and not trying to make up reasons that the Astros didn't really beat us. Like, that's yeah, one based- thing about Philly's fandom or Philadelphia fandom in general is unless there is a really good reason, we don't blame our losses on other people other than our own players. We're willing to turn oh, on yeah. them at a moment. And I think that's actually weirdly an advantage in this. We're never <laughs> going to be the type of fan base who's like, wait, someone took something away from us. No. We're just going to be yeah. angry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a testament to our to our maturity. And hostility <laughs> towards everything. Yeah, a mature hostility. A mature hostility <laughs> that uh, that has, yeah, just has, overtakes the city in moments of stress, which is always. Uh, yeah, I was honestly, I was a little, speaking of reactions, I was a little surprised. I'm not calling you out, but I was a little surprised. The hit and season slack was a real graveyard of emotions after that game one loss. As I said, Ranger Suarez put in a great start. The offense was very present, just not clutch. And they had still won 13 of 16 after they had lost this game. So, I, I, I mean, they didn't get the hits when they really needed them. And the bullpen really, you know, didn't do its job as effectively as you wanted them to. And I know you and John were both uh, voiced your concerns. Uh, I forget who was worried about what, but one of you said, I'm worried about the offense. And one of you said, I'm worried about the bullpen. Do you remember which one was your biggest concern? And do, do you want to expand on exactly what your worries are? Uh, I have to, sl- I have to, uh... scroll back in slack Uh, let me file through my past feelings here (laughs) yeah i mean i was really unhappy with the way the bulb i mean the offense was stinky stanky at hitting with um men on base at all that was not good that's a massive concern but i just did not appreciate what happened with the bullpen when they i mean and some of that isn't necessarily their own fault i mean it is but it's also Rob Thompson who's putting them in position, who's putting some of these dudes in positions that I don't necessarily know is right for them. I know on, um, what night was that? Yes, last night, two nights ago? Yesterday afternoon? Yes. Or, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, the, I know that he was just, it seemed like it was a panic move. He just gathered up a bunch of relievers that hadn't pitched recently and threw them at the game. <laughs> like wherever you yeah, land I, is where you land. Get up and pitch, guys. Go. Depend. Yeah, when you talk about who is pitching in the game at a specific time, it's yeah, it's easy to go back to. Okay, what is Rob Thompson thinking here? And a lot of his decisions are based on who is available and who is not. Meaning, like who is resting, who pitched yesterday or for the last two days. Like who are we giving the day off? And I think it it comes down to more bullpen depth like the Phillies have some have some guys who have really come through for them and been very good for them this year um I I think we all remember Jose Alvarado being the best reliever in baseball for like six to eight weeks to start the season Craig Kimbrell has made a real good has has been making very good uh, appearances out of the Phillies bullpen especially late in games especially yesterday honestly uh he's he's somebody I trust with a game Soto I don't trust as much he He has is he hurt he there was a second yesterday when he was in the game where uh, he kind of looked like his arm was, or his hand was, he was kind of flexing his hand. And JT Realmuto noticed and signaled for the trainer to come out, and they all kind of gathered, but he stayed in the game. So, not 
immediately is, I guess, the answer to that question. Was he hurt? Um, and, you know, Sir Anthony looked bad and then good and then bad and then he was hurt and he's going to be back and he's on track to be back in about a week. So yeah, then you have this collection of other guys. You have this like peanut gallery of Jeff Hoffman's and Junior Marte's and Dylan Covey's, if you will. And, you know, I, I, I know we haven't, but I really hope the last time I see Dylan Covey and Jeff Hoffman pitching for the Phillies is coming up. Honestly, same for Junior Marte. I know we were pretty encouraged by his previous appearance to yesterday's, but uh, honestly, I know we're going to get to yesterday's game, but him being in the game with a runner on scoring position and no outs, the run's coming in. Like that's, I don't, I, he has, he doesn't have that kind of track record. Yeah. So if it's about who we're, who we're saving and who, who we're, who we're resting, you don't have the ammo for, for that. Like the, the, the Phillies bullpen just, you know, it's not the deepest bullpen. It's, it's not the worst by far. And it has come through for them in a, you know, a, a lot of cases and been a strength of this team at times, but there are guys out there who you just don't want to see come into a ball game, especially a close ball game, especially a close ball game against the Braves or any other NLEs team. The Phillies are trying to climb over. I have scrolled back and yes, I was indeed worried about the bullpen. Um, I did not like any of the dudes that they set out, and I got I got admonished because uh, I was said I wasn't a big fan of Hoffman, and I was told he's actually been very good up till now. And I'm like, in my mind, I don't really remember that. And then I looked at his game log, and in the month of June, he has he's had two appearances where he's given up at least two runs. Yeah, and I yeah. that's what I remember. And I have to tell you, if if a reliever is doing that twice a month, that's not great. You can't you get that many runs get, at once. Like, I'm allowed to be upset. And Covey and Harrison are horrible. I'm sorry. Covey's so They're bad. They're fairly, really, an 8.18 ERA. How many innings has he pitched? 11. 11. Yeah. yeah. Remember, he, he looked uh, like, he, I think he pitched two innings, maybe even close to three, and, like, was okay. And they were like, oh, cool, you're the fifth starter. And that was a disaster. Mm -hmm. So he hasn't really been super effective since. And in Hoffman's case, yeah, he's a reliever. Like you get two bad appearances in a row and suddenly and, and everyone's, everyone's okay, in well, trouble. You're not, I don't trust you anymore, mm -hmm. which honestly, fair enough. Like you only get so many opportunities as a, as a, as a reliever. And I'm not, you know, it's obviously a tough job. I certainly couldn't do it, but we're sitting here watching this happen. And yeah, Jeff Hoffman put together some uh, effective outings and then he didn't anymore. <laughs> and I don't want to see, I don't want to see, like, I don't believe he's going to get it back facing the team in first place in the NL East. And again, options are limited. What have you, you know, Rob Thompson looked at numbers or, or just used his gut and put the guy out there. He thought was right. You know, I'm not saying Rob Thompson's got an immaculate decision-making process no, no. either because he doesn't, but that's not, I, I, those aren't the guys I, I wanted to see in that game. I don't know if I have a, an alternative. I just know I didn't feel like the Phillies were in a better, better position to win with them on the mound. So that was a yeah. bummer of a loss. Thankfully game two was rained out. I was um, ready to write an article for baseball prospectus with the headline was there anything more inevitable than Austin Riley homering off Aaron Nola last night? And I had to throw that article in the trash because the Phillies game got rained out. And then it didn't happen the next day. My editor was like, well, that game hasn't started yet. And I was like, just wait. Because Austin Riley's numbers against Aaron Nola and Aaron Nola being Aaron Nola 
mm. it just felt very inevitable. But it it didn't happen yeah. even when uh, even when they actually did play and, and Aaron Nola pitched. But uh, real quick, did you see as game two was being delayed? Uh, Brandon Marsh and Alec Bohm came out to look at the rain. Yes. Austin Riley was in the Braves dugout and they just started communicating with nonverbal yes. <laughs> gestures at each other. And yeah, it was just a, it was a fun moment. A- a- Alec Bohm looking up at the rain as though he had never seen it before. <laughs> like what is like, happening? What? What is, is these? The what are these tears crying? from the sky? <laughs> and Brandon Marsh, as many pointed out, with the driest hair we've ever seen somehow it's, while it's raining. Yes, it's vi- well, the uh, I'm going to guess it was fluffy. He's got some fluffy hair. And I'm going to guess the humidity probably does some of that. But I can see why he wants it wet. If he want if he d- isn't comfortable with pulling his hair back, which it seems like he's not. And every dude with long hair isn't into it. You know, he wants it wet instead of having it floofing around everywhere. Because that's I had when I brush my hair at the end of the day, my hair turns into that. <laughs> it does like I've got I've got like some loose curls but once I brush them out it's just like a big it's a poof ball the struggle is real yes, Brandon. It is. and also Liz <laughs> um, yeah but then game three did happen the following afternoon after the skies cleared and in game three you saw the highs, which I guess was technically game two, but you know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I do. You saw the highs, <laughs> the highs and lows. Do you? Because it's it's three <laughs> minus one equals two. Explain I know these again. are complex complex ideas I'm putting out. Uh, you saw the highs and lows of the Phillies' defense in this game. I'll say. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> Cody Clemens made a tremendous. I want to say feline catch chasing a pop-up through the wind early in this game. He had to maneuver around first base coach and a runner and then you know run in from where he had originally stood because the wind was really wicked that day. And he wound up diving over the foul line and making this tremendous catch, which again just feeds into the Cody Clemens, man. Solid, solid guy at first base uh, for the Phillies yeah, this year. Yeah, really. it's, it's, it's exactly what he's exactly what we've needed, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's those are those are highlights that kind of give you hope a little bit, because mm-hmm. uh, on, on teams that make the playoffs, you always look back and think like, boy, we really got we really got a lot of contributions out of that guy. We were looking past for a while and he's just one of those guys. Uh, but then also Trey Turner, man, oh, he was trying to keep this nothing, uh, nothing game held together with two hands and both feet yep. with one desperate, perfectly executed web gem at a time. He had two. Ooh plays that kept the game tied at nothing nothing or at least kept threats from becoming even more threatening late in the game with just you know diving snap turning around going for you know, making the full 360 the other way and nailing the runner at first i mean trey turner whew, i i yeah i i don't think it's even been an up and down season it was a down season and now he's just up and yeah. you know yeah the the bat's hot Sometimes it's not, but he he has come through for this team. He has been a hit machine ever since he turned it on. Uh, and even when he hasn't, he has found a way to contribute uh, defensively. Like he's, you have Trey Turner as your starting shortstop, man. Oh, that's the kind of stuff you so got. You, you're able to, you're able to rely on that. That's, that's awesome. And, once and that's what really made me feel tur- like. I was just saying, once he really turns it on, people will stop whining. Yeah. Well, you, no, they won't. I wouldn't that's go dumb. that far. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, your point your point is is still valid. The first half, anyway. <laughs> is it? Uh, I don't know. But then you had a catchable ball go off Brandon Marsh's glove. It oh. looked like it was going to be a, a great catch uh, that he had to. He, he called off 
Kyle Schwarber and Schwarber, you know, did his job and, and let Brandon Marsh take the ball as the center fielder. And basically Marsh had run all the way over to left center to, to make this catch. And he was there. The ball was there. His glove was there. And then a catch just didn't happen. <laughs> it just, did not it happen. just, just gleaned off his, uh, the heel of his glove and, uh, uh was that terrible. was just that was a bad moment that uh yeah allowed some chaos to ensue and then uh, yeah i was just reading a list of the best horror movies of the year that have come out so far but i think we watch one every night and it's called kyle schwarber, schwarber colon left fielder <laughs> I and i mean you, honestly the more he's out there the more i'm finding virtue in maybe he does belong at first base man <laughs> like, <laughs> now i'm thinking that- about it <laughs> Even that didn't go well nope. by his own admission when they tried that. Where was that? Boston? That like so. that was that was <laughs> also not great. And, you know, if a guy listen, <laughs> the positions are what they are. But if a guy is so good, one of the best baseball players on the planet that he makes it to Major League Baseball and he can't crush it at first base defensively, putting wow. him in a non right field outfield position where he's probably going to get a lot of play is uh, a choice. What is it's it? A, the, it's a choice. What is it with the Phillies and putting their first baseman in left field? They did it well, with Reese Hoskins. They just love doing it. That's not where they belong, guys. And honestly, I called it a choice in some capacities. It's not. It's yeah. also because of injury that this is happening. And uh, you're already seeing machines firing to life here, coming up with concepts like, okay, stick Christian Pache in left field because Marsh doesn't have a lot of experience playing in the corners. So get them both out there. That's solves your defense problem in outfield in the outfield right there. As long as Marsh catches balls, he gets to in the future. Mm. Uh Pache's got you covered. He's fast. He's a great defender. You assume after the all-star break is the timetable that Bryce Harper is potentially going to be playing in the field again. So he goes to first as he offered to do. And then Kyle Schwarber just DHs, which, you know, it's a shuffling, but it feels like something. It feels like a solid plan. It does. Honestly, honestly, I think I do like that. I don't like the idea of anyone. I'm going to have to I have to come to terms at some point with what will eventually probably be Reese Hoskins future, which is going to be somewhere else. Yes, I don't want I think... to. I'm I'm upset about it still, especially uh, like all they want is for them to give him a one year contract so we can finish his time here the way he wants to instead of with a, a horrible leg injury. There's a couple of. uh ways this could go that could result in the kind of happy ending we're imagining the likelihood of that being the way it goes just feels like it gets less and less every day. And you and you and John and I talked about the, uh, the feasibility of signing a Paul Goldschmidt type uh, from the Cardinals or dealing for a Paul Goldschmidt type from the Cardinals to play first base. And it just feels like that I, I could certainly obviously help Paul Goldschmidt is Paul Goldschmidt have inserting him in the lineup, you know, sure. At a position that he has played fine, but um, morale wise, oh, yeah. we talked about like, how is Reese Hoskins going to hang around this team? Like he has been knowing that his job is like essentially formally officially gone, but also how's that going to impact the the team yeah if, if something like that happens like knowing that he's gone with the impact we know he makes on them so 
that's a situation I don't even want to dwell no, on. And we'll, we're not gonna. We've got plenty of time to talk about that before the trade deadline. <laughs> and we have plenty, plenty of other things we hate to discuss yeah, really in this episode. Excited. <laughs> so bringing up Kyle Schwarber's defense, uh, yeah, his Woof. most. Uh, I honestly don't think this has been front of mind for a lot of people. I think he's been the kind of left fielder who just hasn't gotten to a lot of balls that a guy who's more like Christian Pache is, is going to get to, but you don't notice or remember that kind of stuff when it's happening. I don't think his like full on snafus have been too many this year. Is that crazy to say? I think I'm that's not like, true. I think some of them have come close together, which has right. made yes. it all seem yes. really, really unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he's actually been decent this year. That way, <laughs> at a key, and it was a key moment in the tenth when uh, when the most recent atrocity occurred in left field. <laughs> uh, I want to I want to read uh, Phillies.com Todd Zalecki's description of the events because this is a platform where they keep it pretty even handed because it's essentially a Phillies propaganda machine, and uh, even they <laughs> couldn't really phrase it in a way that didn't sound terrible. Uh, again, this is from there's Todd no Zalecki. way to you just can't. He dropped a catchable line drive hit directly at him with two outs in the ninth inning of Thursday afternoon's 5-1 to one loss to the Braves at Citizens Bank Park. It allowed two runs to score to hand the Braves a three-run lead. It led to Marcelo Zuna's two-run home run as the Phillies fell 10 games behind the Braves in the NL East with 88 games to play. That last part doesn't really bug me because we're not playing for the NL East and we haven't been for weeks now, so whatever. Uh, the ball left Austin Riley's bat. This is my favorite part. The ball left Austin Riley's bat at only 81.9 miles an hour. It had a catch probability of 95% oh according to Statcast. <laughs> and Schwarber obviously missed it. Uh, you know, it, 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 did it go, did it bounce off his glove? Like it just, it was an ugly situation. And, you know, I feel like we are really racking up the times where it, you know, it's Marsh, it's Schwarber are, are you know, given interviews and all they can say is, that can't happen. That I, that that will never happen again. I, I mean, you know, this is what he said after the game was that's a play that I should make, plain and simple. Don't really know how or why it happened, but I've got to catch it, plain and simple. That's not on Junior Marte, who was pitching. That's that's on that's not on anyone else. The game is on me. I've got to catch that ball. Obviously frustrating. I feel if I catch it, we extend the game, or we can win in the tenth. I saw it fine. I've got to catch it. Didn't give himself any excuses, so you know, tip of the cap taking responsibility and accountability that's you know that that yeah that's that, that's what you would expect from Kyle Schwarber yeah. who is a great teammate and I love that he's on the Phillies but boy his left field his left fielding is mm. is bad it's uh, he's not who you want it's out there bad yeah he's not who you want out there in a close game and he you know he shouldn't have to be out there if uh, he, he's got DH written all over him oh, so yeah. That's a situation that's got to be uh, it's got to be rectified, you think, moving forward. And the real problem with this loss, this five to one loss that was a nothing, nothing game for so long was that you can't waste six shutout innings from, from Aaron, Aaron Nola. Nola from Aaron Nola. You can't. No, not not after the year he's had, not after everybody watches a start like that, even when he's in a groove like that, knowing at any moment, that bad inning that jumps up and bites him could happen at any moment. And it didn't happen against the, the what I'll say is the best team in the National League. Yep. 
but you can't you can't do that like i said i was prepared to write that uh that snarky article about him and you know now i gotta print that out and eat it because <laughs> that's what i promised <laughs> because yeah, that's, that's what i why, do that's, every time i write it, an article <laughs> It's only fair. So, yeah, I, I what a that was so disappointing. Mm. Nola was really working it. Um, the the umpire strike zone was dubious, but doesn't matter to me. Nola was uh, he, he, he was not allowing a ton of base runners. He was missing bats. Everything was working. It was it was great. It was a great Aaron Nola start. And it made you think, yeah, they're, they're going to win the game. All they got to do is score a run here. Especially when it got into extras, just score once, score a run, mm-hmm. and 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 you got it. But no, they kept trying, they kept gi- giving the Braves opportunities and not capitalizing on their own. And that's kind of my conclusion here for this game. You can't, you can't go shot for shot with the Braves. No. You can't because you will be the one to falter every time. If the Braves aren't putting it together, you give them enough time, they're gonna figure it out. The Phillies especially can't go shot for shot with a team like that because the Phillies show up drunk. They can play at the same level as Atlanta. They are. They can play at that level, but they can't stay up there. And that's the difference. The Braves live up there. They rarely stumble, and they never seem to go cold. Since last year, they never seem to go cold, except in the NLDS. But still... Craig Campbell came in and delivered the goods. It was fun to see him do that to his old team. I was hoping Christian Pache would find a moment to like do something to his old team, but yeah, you know, he you know didn't. <laughs> and uh, so it was Junior Marte on the mound with a ghost runner in scoring position. And like I said, my thinking was assume that run is in already. Just assume that's that's in. Assume it's a one to nothing game, and this is now about what the bottom of the Phillies order. It was the six, seven, eight spots who were due up. It's just just start thinking about what they can do to score two runs instead of one. That's really the only difference right now. And I believe those three hitters were one for nine uh, on the day. So it was like, all right, well, somebody's got to find something here. And there's little more reliable than the Phillies scoring a single run after going down by a lot, which, you know, they did. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected that that one nothing lead to turn into a five nothing lead as quickly as it did, but because of the Schwarber thing I mentioned, and also Marcelo Zuna's uh, two run home run that followed it, they were down five to nothing. They did manage to squeak a run across because again they just love to do that, and then of course it you know they didn't score anymore and they lost five to one. Did you hear? <laughs> did you hear that Larry Anderson didn't like Marcelo Zuna's celebration in mid home run trot? He did like a handshake celebration thing with Ron Washington at third base and then and then like finally got home and uh I thought boy. it was cute. You could tell that they feel str- they feel strongly about playing the Phillies. They don't like I mean, the Phillies. They are they're not afraid of them, but they they are angry at them and I think will remain as such. Oh yeah, and honestly, yeah. Again, it's it's fine. Like the game's already lost, man. Yeah, and, like just know. give it up. It was the end of the game. They know they they won, and they won't get a walk off because they're not at home. You know, allow right. a, it's a home run against a, a team, a hated rival. Of course, they want to celebrate. I mean, I don't like it. No, I don't like but looking I, at it. But, but like, what is there the, to say? Yeah, I would also want the Phillies to do that if they hit a home run like that. You know, in Atlanta's stadium. That's what I would want. Exactly. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't... Exactly. I don't like looking at it, but it didn't make me angry. 
So naturally, a uh, big-brained Braves fan went after Tom McCarthy on Twitter about it and wouldn't take, that wasn't me complaining. It was a different person <laughs> as an answer. <laughs> no, but he works with you. How, how can you allow it? That's just I love this, what this, I'm assuming he said. I have not seen the exchange. <laughs> this guy like doubled and tripled down no. on it. And then finally when they were like, it was, a, it was another person. I don't know what to tell you. Finally, they just, they lashed out at everybody. I love these people who just latch onto one thing, one moment, one little grumble like this. Again, the Braves won the game. Won, what are man. you mad about? But they latch onto this one little thing. Like this was far from LA's worst rant, by the mm-hmm. way. And it was barely a rant. It was a couple seconds of grumbling. And they just made it their whole day. Yep. Like the Phillies lost. Their local curmudgeon was grumbling about how they lost. They didn't enjoy when the Braves celebrated. No one in that stadium did. But what? You're not allowed to be mad when you lose or the other team celebrates in your face? Like, isn't that kind of the point of celebrating in their face? To make them even madder than they are? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. It's just like they can't find anything else to be mad. It, they want to make themselves the underdogs. That's the one thing about front-running teams these days. Teams that are ahead always want to make themselves the underdog. It happened with the Astros. Oh, I can't stand yeah. that. And it did I'm, because oh. they're just like, you know, we're making our way back from our own selves cheating and our executives <laughs> looking the other way. Look at us. Woo. Like, no, no. Like, the Braves are ahead. And they're they're going to get, they get the respect they deserve from every single, you know, writer, but they're not going to get it from Phillies fans and broadcasters. That's the way it goes. And so it's always gone. Like, we're not going to respect you. I don't want... I don't. You have to explain the most basic stuff to people mm-hmm. anymore. It's like, no, the wins and losses. And, you know, it's they happen. They're the two outcomes that can happen in a game. And you like one and you don't like the other. I don't know, whatever. I, people uh. are... People are people. So <laughs> it was a lousy couple of games. Uh, in both games, the Phillies played the Braves. It looked like they were... They were trying that aggressive approach that I like, especially early in Nola's start. Mm-hmm. A lot of quick innings for the Braves' defense and for Braves' starter Bryce Elder, who also pitched a heck of a game. Uh, they would either make quick outs or get on base and not score. And you can fault them for that. You can fault them for not being patient. But I, I like it when that's this team's approach. And I, that's part of being aggressive. Sometimes when it's not working, it looks like you're just... You're not being picky. You're not waiting for your pitch. You're not doing this. But the Phillies decided their strategy that day was going to be, let's jump on them. Let's get them early. And against the Braves, you got to make your own opportunities and then capitalize on yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, and the it, Phillies, it didn't you know, work they, this time, they, but it's not no. a bad strategy. They got the first part down, just not the second yeah. part. And, you know, <laughs> it's frustrating and annoying, but... Again, I, I was, I was, I was. I'm always glad when when they do that because they can find success doing that, and they can jump on teams that are better than them. And the the Braves are better than yep. them. They are. It's a matter of consistency, and the Braves are just more consistent. <laughs> We've got a lot more games to play against the Braves, and God willing, they'll win some. We'll be Hopefully. able to feel good. One of these days. And you know maybe, what? Maybe one or two. If they even if they continue to lose to them, once it's the playoffs, if the Phillies make it in, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Nah. Phillies beat the crap oh, no. out of them last time. Remember, I like to do it yeah. every day. I like to remember that Hell, every day. Uh, and I'm sure it makes, that's what Braves fans hate. <laughs> we are proud of that. And we're continually, continuing to be excited about that and believe that we can make it back. And they are, they are still not used to having, you know, uppity Phillies fans in their faces. Because they used to flood, like, 
Mets fans and Braves fans even used to flood Citizens Bank Park during the lean years and even last year. This year, that is not going to happen. Nah. I, I can't wait to see tonight what the crowd looks like tonight. Because, I mean, there will be Mets fans who got who got there early, but the, the Phillies actually winning and having success as the Mets did not do in 2022. Uh, I think really is going to change the way that things look at Citizens Bank Park. And I wouldn't call what the Mets are doing in 2023 <laughs> success either. So... Now they get to play the Phillies for three games this weekend. And I got to tell you, you know, I'm encouraged that we're playing the the Mets. As I say, we after criticizing someone else for for using the royal we earlier in the episode. Um, But I'm glad that it's I'm glad it's the Mets because they're a beatable team right now. They're a very beatable team right now. Of course, you know, the, the, the cynical part that creeps in is, yeah, but boy. Aren't the Phillies the team other teams use to get back on track? Oh my track god, all the I've time? been saying that. I've been saying that all week. I'm like, like, I'll be like, oh good, Mets at the. No wait, no. What are you doing? Don't get complacent. We cannot, as uh, fans, we can't be complacent. Not, and I think maybe some of us learned our lesson against the Braves. Beating the Braves in the in the postseason means nothing. Everything that happened last year is nothing. Just remember that. You know, we, ha- oh, you we mean- can't be complacent and let teams and fans think that they can boss us around as fans they just can't it's, it's really important even if they don't think that they can it's it's important to remind them that they can. yes remind them this of where they important. fall in the food chain yes of course <laughs> uh, the phillies will get uh K- kodai senga yes. <laughs> they get they get senga carlos carrasco and max scherzer this weekend um Fine. Sure. <laughs> I, again, I'm not. It's just not formidable to me, which is crazy to say about a, a, a slate with Max Scherzer in it. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not concerned about this. I'm not scared of this. No. So uh, here, here's an idea of where Mets fans are right now. Uh, there was uh, Bo Porter, uh, an analyst on MLB TV, put together a you know one of those fake potential trade packages that they do sometimes just to fill programming, and uh, it was for the Mets to trade for Shohei Otani. And I don't even I don't even know I don't even know what the trade was. I just saw a Mets fans' reaction to it was so what we make this trade. Otani winds up needing Tommy John, and we just gave up half our team. No thanks. Um, <laughs> what? I'm like I, I hear what you're saying. That's so negative. Also, I totally get it. Of course. Oh my god! Of course, we've been there. As I've said repeatedly, and will continue saying. We are in many ways the same fan base, separated by, you know, you know, a different type of history, a different type of location, but always, you know, being crapped upon by bigger teams in bigger cities or bigger teams in their own city. <laughs> like, that's the thing. They are, I think they understand the plight of Phillies fans more than almost any other fan base, but I think most of them would never even venture to think about it nor should they really <laughs> i mean I, I wouldn't call flushing a city but yeah your point is valid <laughs> no you're, you're, i would not either point is totally valid um so yeah this will be this will be certainly um an intense series and has the potential to be very very fun uh this weekend so yeah uh we got that to look forward to uh, just another, a couple other quick things before we, before we end the episode, Andrew Painter threw 30 pitches in his last bullpen session. Well, that's 10 more than before Liz. Ooh. Huzzah. So that's moving along. Yeah. <laughs> uh, out, outfielder Dalton Guthrie was traded to the giants for cash considerations. Uh, so thank you for your time. Whatever. Here. Uh, as I, 
As I said earlier, Sir Anthony Dominguez still set to return to the Phillies in about a week. Uh, Noah Song is going to throw some simulated games. I have my doubts we will ever see him in a Phillies uniform. <laughs> Not after what we uh, saw the other night. And uh, Jared Eikhoff. Whoa! Not... Not with the Phillies, but back in affiliated ball. Hey. Uh, maybe you saw this. He he had been pitching for the Lexington Counterclocks, uh, an independent league, and <laughs> his contract was purchased from the Cle- or by the Cleveland Guardians, who placed him at AAA Columbus. So yeah, he's back in uh, back in affiliated ball. Good for him. And speaking speaking of Cleveland. Uh, which is uh, that's that's where the All Star Game is this year, or is it Seattle? It is Seattle. It was Cleveland it's in Seattle. 2019. So, not speaking of Cleveland, uh, how far will Ryan Howard hit a home run in the All Star Celebrity Softball Game, uh, which he will be playing in this year? I now I did not know that, and now I'm like, wow, I'm going to watch it maybe for the first time ever intentionally. Absolutely. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, that's uh, to the moon. That's a, that's a fun ad. Good for him. Oh, yeah. That's that's exactly where I want to see him right now. To get some slow pitch softball right in his hot zone. Oh yep. yeah. He started to get out there a little bit more in the last couple of years. You know, I think he's doing uh, he's doing like uh, commentary for the postseason on Fox, maybe, or maybe he's been bumped off by Derek Jeter. <laughs> I, I I mean, they would do that. My ears. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they will. <laughs> um, but he has Jeter can't even act in that MLB the show ad they have him in, where all he's got to like do is look at the camera and go, "I'm the captain." And you're like, "How did you not sell that? You are you the are captain. The ca- why? <laughs> why are you not able I'm to sell that sure line?" You sleep in a big bed with a sign above it that says "Captain." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ryan Howard should be getting out there. He's not aging, so no! he's got plenty of Jimmy time. Rollins, apparently, too. have you seen him? Like the two of them are they. They look almost like they did like a decade ago. Yeah, honestly, Chase Utley was just on a new episode of uh, It's Always Sunny uh, as part of that new season. Um, yeah, he came back for, for two scenes and he was he was fine. He's clearly not a natural actor, nope. but he sold it. He sold it a lot better than Jeter sell, sells his uh, acting well, in that no, commercial. because I mean, uh, Chase Utley is actually friends with those people and enjoys hanging out with them and enjoys doing things. I don't know if Jeter enjoys anything. Uh, a spoiler alert, but uh, Utley's, <laughs> he leaves the episode by grabbing a lucky charm out of Mac's hand and yelling, Hall of Fame, here I come! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to watch that then. Oh, that's brilliant. Oh. It's, it's very, very yeah, funny. Six yeah, months, all- by the way, six months until the Chase Utley Hall of Fame, uh, fame conversation begins. Mark your calendars. Oof, you think the Brave series was bad. Wait till that discourse. Uh, well... That'll wrap it up for this episode of Hitting Season. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. Check out our Patreon if you want more bonus content for five bucks a month. Uh, over there, you get access to all kinds of bonus Phillies content at Hitting Season at Patreon.com/slash/HittingSeason. Uh, and yeah, Mets are coming to town. Should be a big weekend in South Philly, so keep your eye on that. And we will be back to talk about the Mets series early next week. Thanks for listening. I'm Justin Clue. That's Liz Rocher from WHYY and Billy Penn. This has been Hitting Season.